Get updated with the hottest news in insurance, finance, and the newest innovation in InsureTech and FinTech in these difficult times. Hear it from one of the most known and respected voices in the industry, Dr. Robin Kiera, and his guest of today. Finance Live, not from the headquarter of Digital Scouting in Hamburg, Germany, but from the headquarter of failed corona politics in Berlin, Germany. Today, we have a very special guest, Jao Borkas, who is actually more known as not a wearable expert, but the wearables expert. So thank you very much for joining us here today. Um, uh, where are you located? Hi, Robin. Thanks for having me. I'm in Brighton in UK. Cool, very much. So you guys are already almost through with vaccination. If you have any spare left, please send them. I'm happy to share my private address in a minute. Um, you are super um, um, known in the, in the I would say, the global insurance, finance and healthcare industry uh, for being the wearable expert. My question to you is a little bit, can you um, share a little bit um You know, what do you understand as a wearable um, and, and uh, maybe share your, your, your thoughts there? Sure. Well, Robin, let me uh, start with my big vision for wearables. I believe that yeah. wearables can change the world. And also, I mean, they add a lot of uh, added value to the person, to the human being. But also, as you know, Uh, now wearables are really permeating many, many industries, healthcare, medical, life sciences, pharma, and insurance, even banking, fintech, construction, you can name it, they're everywhere. But wearables, I mean, I could say is a form of technology, usually a combination of hardware and software, an innovation that can be a streamlined for the benefit of the of the of the user if you like yeah. and they come in many shapes and forms as we probably discussed throughout throughout the session and um how do you see the application in insurance and healthcare so do you have some concrete examples of are wearables except like the apple watch uh, used also like in in professional context or is it just a fitness thing and by the way you know as you can see by my question i'm not a super expert on that and i you know don't even wear my fitbit because it would probably tell me all the time robin go jog yeah so in in insurance to be honest with you robin i don't see many applications implementation let's say many implement there is a, a an insurer that you probably are aware of Vitality Health in UK, they've been ahead of everybody, not just with wearables, but with the wellness programs and the rewards programs that have been in place for many years. So they reward the users for good behaviors, for being a client with point systems and other partnerships. Now they also incorporated wearables in the uh, program, in the Vitality program. So if you use a wearable, you can actually get the wearable for free or for a discounted rate. And then if you track your um, fitness activity and prove that you're actually doing that fitness activity that they send it back, you can get rewarded for it. But I'm actually, Robin, this is an insurance conversation. I'm actually extremely surprised and definitely the insurers are missing the point. What is the, the point? They're missing the opportunity actually to use wearables and also uh, uh, connect with a connect with their clients. I mean, one thing is about the health, but 
is not just about health. I think they're missing the point around customer engagement, uh, opportunities to upsell other products because everybody's fighting in terms of competition to retain their clients and also uh, gain clients. And wearables are a fantastic vehicle to keep people engaged, not just with the not just with the health data, but also with notifications, with campaigns, mm. with marketing activities. With so, I really think the insurers are really missing the boat. And and I had conversations with many insurers three, four, five years ago, and they're not moving. They're not what moving. Did they say? What are their arguments? And what I would mean, you? Uh, they're very interested in innovation in in general, but I think, yeah. I think the insurance industry have a very... It's like me, I'm interested in general, in theory, in living and eating healthy, but I'm not. Yeah, I think, I think and you know the insurance industry better than me, but the insurance industry has very peculiar characteristics. Uh, they are risk-averse, Yeah. So it's kind of anti-innovation. We have conversations about innovation, but then three, four, five years down the line, there is no action. Yeah. Also, also there is one mismatch, if I might say. Insurance and startups, in small innovators, they don't go together. They talk, but they don't do business together because of the nature of the culture of the insurance uh, industry and the risk Averse, they are scared to do business with startups. So it's it's a very peculiar dynamic, you know. Janos Mandel asked, I think, a super hot question on the point in insurance and finance, but also in healthcare, I would say. It's the privacy and security uh, uh, reasons. And I think a very special um, situation in insurance is that um, you are obliged as an uh, insurance client in certain cases to provide certain data to your insurer. Most of the times it's a questionnaire, you know, have you been hit by a car? Have you had cancer and things like that? And from that, um, the tariff or the amount of money you need to spend um, uh, for a policy varies. So I think what Jen is asking, is asking a little bit, by the way, thank you for the question. Everybody else, please also ask questions. And by the way, if you're watching, and we are seeing that you're watching right now, Like, share, comment, uh, you know, give us a little kiss on your phone to show the algorithm that you love this show. Um, but what Janice, I think, uh, or what I, I would like to turn the question to is, um, are there ways that the insurer can use the data um, of the wearables and all the benefits of it? without the, the disadvantage for the customer, actually, that certain information goes to the, to the uh, insurer he doesn't want to go there? Well, very, very good question. I think in general, uh, Robin, there is a dynamic in here. For example, we all use apps. For example, if you download, I go behind the wearable. Yeah? If you download an app on your Apple, let's say on iOS, on your Apple device, When you download the app, sometimes behind that, you tick a box that you never tick, agree to give the data because you just download the app. Yeah. So it's a bit of a paradigm in here because people are really concerned about their data, for example, to give the data to the insurer, but they're giving their data without knowing everywhere else. If you download yeah. the meditation app, you're giving the data away. If you're on Facebook, you're giving the data away without knowing. If you... If you, if you do physical activity, you give it the data to your gym. So yeah. 
but, but these are very but but the privacy is a very concerning of, of course um, important question and I've done 159 pages health engagement report on wearables and I've been doing lots of different things and the second or third barrier for the user related barriers it, it's two things in here is the device related barriers and the user related barriers and for the user related barriers private private privacy and security come second or third so people are actually concerned about about their security and their data and their, their, their privacy you know so it's difficult because one way is to give the data anonymized, but then for them just to do breakdowns and patterns and behavioral change uh, analysis without knowing the data that is your data. The other thing now is very popular in um, uh, in corporate wellness is anonymized data with um, with the aggregated data. So yep. they don't know how many hours Robin sleeps or Joao sleeps if I sleep five hours or three hours a night. So that's one way. I think the insurers would be still interested in getting aggregated data because they could do a lot of things in the future for underwriting, claiming processes, discounted, benefit the consumer, but also benefiting their business in the long run because the business models and the processes are so, so old and conservative yeah. that one day they will be actually a turn upside down. And I think that power is slowly, slowly moving to the consumer because we have the data, we have the wearable, and in the future, maybe you approach your insurance and say, actually, I'm really healthy and fit. Look at my profile. Can yeah. you give me a discount because I don't actually have any risk of cardiovascular disease or whatever. But I think it's taking time, but we're moving in a certain direction where the consumer has more and more power. Yeah, and what I want to add is I love uh, privacy questions and, and security, data security questions, um, but most of them can be solved. I think that's the big big news there. Um, if you have a good lawyer or a good system, these things can be solved. Uh, you can have middleware or what you described with uh, aggregation, anonymization, so you can find a compromise um, between um, uh, getting the, providing value-adding services for a client and without... Uh, him ha having to fear that in 10 years time when you want to upgrade your health insurance you say Robin you were not at the gym on you know March 25th 2021 please pay five bucks more or 50 or 500 um, so I think that's super valuable the valuable question is um, and by the way Janice also says you know visit open voice network a, a great initiative which is also super hot topic not only variables but voice too also topic that the industry is missing out I think but uh, I think we should have a voice special at some other point um, and we will, we will for sure, because I'm actually ambassador of the Open Voice Network too. So um, let's talk about um, how consumers and insurers in the future actually should use variables. Do you have some concrete, especially also in the healthcare industry, do you have some concrete ideas there? Yeah, sure. I mean, you've, going back to, to the Vitality example is, is, a, is a great model because it's a win-win situation. I actually, I'm, I'm also a client, but I wasn't a client for a number of years, and I know Vitaly for a long, long time. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a, a short, a short story, actually, uh, Robin, to prove to prove the game and what I mentioned before. I've done consultancy for many health tech companies in the Nordics, primarily in Finland, and in Finland they're very innovative with health tech solutions. 
And yeah. we, we, we spoke with the senior leadership of uh, Aviva, Vitality, many, many uh, companies in UK. Um, and it's always that barrier. But I think Vitality really doing well because it's a significant win-win for the consumer and, of course, for them. Because, and also they attract consumers. And also there is a differentiation, isn't it? Because in the insurance market, every insurer is, asked, is looking for ways to sell more, to get yeah. more clients and for a differentiation. And the clear differentiation there is, for example, the wearables and the magnificent uh, wellness program that they have. But I don't see many insurers following suit, which I'm extremely surprised. Yeah, I think it's we are struggling with so many topics. Uh, I, I see it more from the from the strategy side or from the content marketing or attention hacking side as we you know try to help insurers with that. Um, it's like very large cultural barriers. Uh, and because these organizations were found, you know, very stable, very strong, very, you know, um, not moving. And I think that's a big topic. Uh, but I think it needs evangelists like you to really uh, rattle the cage and say, guys, do it, do it, do it. And to rant on stages and to really uh, make the message uh, known to everybody. I think that's 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 a good one. Um, but let's talk about concrete variables. Um, do you have like most favorite ones um, you like to share and you need to, you saying, Robin, you need to have this too. And I actually can go to Katya, my wife, and tell her, Joao said I should have one. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I have a few to, to show you. And and uh, my son, the other day, I have an eight-year-old boy. He said to me, uh, he calls me daddy, right? Since he was a baby. But he said, daddy, you have so many smart watches. What do you do with all this? <laughs> because as you know, uh, uh, Robin, I'm involved with wearables. I test them. I try them out. Yeah. Many of them go in a draw and then... Anyway, my... My working de desk is full of wearables. I'm not going to move the camera to show you, but I have something prepared for us for the sake of the, I mean, the show. But I want to mention one last thing before we move on, if I might, if you don't mind. I want to mention the pet wearables yep. and the pet industry, uh, insurance industry, which is, mm. which is growing because we always think about, we always think about wearables, Medical healthcare, that's it. But actually, wearables are actually adding a lot of value. And I've done an animal health um, conference in here in London, an international event in 2019, when we had events. <laughs> in, I did a keynote on wearables. And there was a few very large uh, companies there that have an interest, of course, in pet wearables. And the pet wearable insurance industry is projected to be valuable at about $10 billion by 2025. So it's wow. really, really big. Only the pet wearables industry. Um, and also is growing 6.7% year by year right now. But one thing that shifted very, very, very lately is the millennials are the biggest owing um, a class of um, of pets, about 35% millennials have a pet. In UK, people love animals. I'm sure in other countries too. But that to say that millennials are more tech savvy, therefore, they're more prone to use wearables, therefore, yeah. more prone to have a wearable for their pet. But the, 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 the pet wearables industry on its own is very, very big, very exciting, is growing, and is very similar to the human industry. 
and about 25%, 20 to 25% of the adult population ever wearable or pretend to have one in the next six months. I don't have concrete data on a pet wearable adoption. I think it's quite small to start with, maybe 2 or 3% right now, but it's increasing. And I project that in three, four years' time, maybe 50% of the adult population use a wearable and 10 or 20% of the pet wearable of the pet insurance will ever wearable. So I think I think the, I, I love the point pet insurance out of two reasons. First of all, it's a very innovative sector in the insurance industry. We have bought by many. We have pet insurers in, in the Czech Republic. Uh, we have German family insurance in Germany. So we have several pet insurers uh, around the, in, in Europe at least, and but also know them um, of course in the US with Figo Pet. Uh, so it's super interesting market. Um, I, I don't know why it's so innovative in, in con also from the way they deal with applications and all of that, not only variables. So I think it's a super interesting market. And, um, I, and I thought about what you were saying that actually maybe people are hesitant to put a wearable on themselves in connection with healthcare, but why not on their pet when it you know, helps the pet, saves the pet life? I think people are not so scared about you know, pre-existing conditions with the, with the pet or because pet insurance works differently than human health insurance uh, in, in, in most, uh, in most um, uh, countries. So I think that's something super interesting and maybe also for wearables or sorry, for people who are actually into wearable um, the industry to go not directly to the um, human health in, uh, insurance sector, but maybe for the, to the pet insurance sector. Super interesting. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, I, I wrote, I, I made some notes. So thank you for that. And if you are out there, do not hesitate to ask questions like Janice did or Raul um, or Maximilian. And so don't hesitate to ask any questions uh, and shy, uh, like, share and um, this, uh, this live stream, of course. Um, Joao, um, what are your most favorite um, wearables? Mm -hmm. I, I have a few, uh, Robin. For, for many years, I had a predicament because I'm into sport and fitness and I've been in wellness for over 20 years, but I'm a sporty guy. I like to keep fit. But for a number of years, I had the smart watch, and, but I was not using my other favorite watches. So I had this dilemma. Yep. This leads the conversation to say that now I can use my favorite watch, any watch that I like. And I have smart watches, but I really like the Aura Ring. Okay, what's that? Show? The Aura Ring. Okay. Is a, is a health performance uh, wearable tracker. But I, I have a list of five to show you. But anyway, Aura Ring is a Finnish innovator, or Aura. And they, I mean, they, they've been in wearables market for some time. And the Finnish companies are actually have a strong pedigree in wearables from Polar, uh, Sunto, Aura. I mean, you name it, they, they were kind of the pioneers. But the Aura Ring is extremely, extremely sleek, very, okay. very nice design. It looks like a wedding band. This one is a bold version. And when I've been following Aura for quite some time, I've been talking to them. But when the golden version came out, I had to get it because it's so nice. Also, I like the trend about um, fashion tech. So yeah. you can have a nice piece of jewelry that is a wearable, also is a piece of... In this case, it looks like really nice and sleek. But for many years, Robin, I was interested in tracking my physical activity. And now I'm more interested in my sleep, my performance, my well-being, you know. And Aura has been very innovative. They also done 
recently deals in sports performance with the NBA in, in US. They've done a deal with NASA now. They're also doing studies on COVID because this, the wearable has a sensor that also detects a changing body temperature. Mm. So they're doing lots of different uh, analyses and case studies on uh, COVID. So I like the order ring. I'm not, I wouldn't like to say it's my favorite or it's number one, but no particular order. I'm going to give you five wearables that I really like. Uh, I try to stay brand agnostic, and I think you understand that because, I mean, I, I don't like to associate myself with one wearable. I have yeah. preferences, of course. Um, so I like the Aura Ring. Very good for sleep performance, heart rate variability, physical activity, and also looks nice. But and I have a question. Sleep activity. Yeah. Okay, you have the ring, and the ring tracks how you sleep. But how does it help you to sleep better? It, it also... The app is very, very good. When it's approaching your uh, bedtime, it reminds you to start doing some kind of wind-down activities, if you wish. But the secret with wearables is actually in a pattern of change of behavior. So mm -hmm. your question is very prominent. If you don't change your behavior, the wearable on its own doesn't work by magic, by osmosis. <laughs> It's like getting a gym membership. You can get the gym membership, but that doesn't mean you are fit. You have to go to the gym and do the work, right? Yeah. What makes yeah, you yeah. the workout? It's not the gym membership, right? I fear that you had this question, this answer prepared. <laughs> I don't want to make you feel bad, Robin. But anyway. No, no, no. It's very fine. Now, carry on. Uh, so, it tracks the sleep, the sleep stages, uh, uh, sleep performance, but also it makes you aware about your, apart from giving you the data, You have a breakdown of the data, but the app is very slick. That also gives you stages. If you sleep good, uh, need improvement or rest well, or it was a bad night's sleep. So you can actually see um, just in numbers, but also in meaningful insights. And that, uh, yeah. that's what I really like, you know, so you can, you can see where you are. And also as an optimal stage of performance Yeah. that, It gives you an indication if you recover well at night and what state are you for the next day. That is really, really good, actually. And I think what's important is to actually nudge you. You know, if your app tells you five times in a row you didn't sleep well, you stayed up too late, uh, you did this wrong, that wrong, and you feel bad, and then you he listened to your ring one time, and suddenly, uh, actually, it works. You know, I have a funny parallel that you know that 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 could work with me. So um, yeah. And maybe also with Maximilian, who was uh, helping us here. He agrees. Right. Well, next one, I'm going to show you another. This is also um, cool. is another ring. It's called K-Ring from a company called K-Wearables. No elf activity in here. I'm going to show you the box. It's K-Ring. Yeah. And it's actually a wireless... Uh, is a payment is uh, uh, really great for fintech. So it's a contactless payment uh, device. I would cool. say very prominent for these days because it reduces the risk of any contact with with COVID-19 in shops. You don't need to take money out. You don't need to take a card out. You can do contactless payments. In UK, it's up to 45 pounds. And I think all over Europe is 50 euros, isn't it? Yeah. So you can go to the shop as long as it's not a, a huge amount of money. You can go to the shop and use the K the K wearable to the K ring to make payments. Uh, people are still very surprised. It's really good for car parking, for example. 
you pay and you walk away. A small shop, so I like that as well. But I have one or two more to show you. I have a smartwatch. This one is actually really great. From Huawei is the J2. Yeah, cool. J2e from Huawei is great overall smartwatch with about 85 um, workout modes, two weeks battery. Uh, but the battery in wearables is not always great. This is great, yeah. two battery, really wow. nice design, nice design. And also now it comes with the um, SpO2, you know, respiratory rate. Yeah, it's, it's great. And also the J2 from Huawei, the pro, the pro version. Yeah. I mean, it comes with more features, improved battery life. And the good thing is the older version really reduced in price. What it cost <laughs> about 200 euros now costs 99 because the new one, it costs 200 euros. So I have a question. One thing, when a thousand years ago I did some research on wearables, I found out that it's super hard, that there are some health functionalities can be tracked, but that heart, real heart rate and actually warnings for heart attacks and all of that were not possible. Are we already now at a stage, for example, the, the watch you showed, that they can do serious health tracking currently or is it still some way to go? No, it's really, it's really great health tracking. And also, apart from tracking the... the physical activities is great monitor great device but also it does 24 7 a continuous heart rate monitoring because wow. a while ago it's got sensors and um, and it does like heart rate monitoring on the go okay continuously the first wearable that i have a while ago uh, it, it was great but the uh, the face of the watch was actually um it was actually a bit a bit small, um, and this is a bit bigger. But things are improving. The wearables are more sophisticated, wow. and you know, and and right. Okay, look, I'm nearly there. I'm going to show you two more, and then we can wrap up if you like. I also have a Garmin. Yeah, this is the seven three five XT. Great for triathlons. I mean, but the wearables, what is really important to understand about wearables is why you want the wearable in the first place and what is the context. Okay, physical activity, great. Get the Fitbit, gives you the physical activity, get the Apple Watch, get the Huawei. I was doing triathlons for quite some time, so Garmin is really great for sports performance. They're extremely reliable. Uh, accurate data and also you get different types of data for example in here you have the swimming labs and open wow. swimming cycling gps really good for running because it gives you very accurate uh, data so i would say if it's for sports performance go for a brand that is doing sports performance so go for garmin um and last but not least i've been sent this about a week ago i okay. only but I only use it twice. I use it last night and today. This is a wearable called Apollo. Apollo yeah. Neuroscience. I show you the box. Cool. Apollo Neuroscience. Yeah. You can use it on your ankle or on your wrist. And it has a touch therapy with some vibration to align the performance in the body. And also, I use it last night. I... I slept extremely well, and also I used it this morning and one hour before the show. And this book. 
And uh, you put on your wrist, you set the up, and you put 15 or 20 minutes, and it gives you like vibrations next to your, um, I mean, next to your body. It uh -huh. is called touch therapy. Huh, okay. Yeah. So, and he has lots of different um, stages. So, waking up in the morning, you got the meditation phase, rebuild, recover, you got relaxation at night. So, you got different sets of modes, modes to use. I'm very impressed with that because sometimes I think all these things, they don't work well. You know, now it's a lot of headbands about climbing, uh, jet-like recovering. And, but this is very, very impressive. Okay. I really feel, I felt the difference. I've done a session also for half an hour before the show when, um, when your energy is a bit of a slope during the day, about after lunch, mid-afternoon, and I feel extremely uh, refreshed. So, Apollo Neuroscience, check it out. That's a good one. Very cool, very cool. And now I have a very, you know, I, the great thing about having a show by myself, or not by myself, but by me, is I can ask the questions I want also to ask. So what I'm actually looking for is a wearable that has the health tracking, but it's not on the watch, but it's actually something for the ankle. So I think that's something super cool. Uh, so if you have something in mind there, I should uh, use, maybe I get me one of those. <laughs> Um, all right um well joel thank you very much for being here sharing your most favorite wearables and giving some insights on the health insurance and finance industry we also say thank you to everybody who liked shared and commented and even most of all to ask some questions uh, thank you miguel raul maximilian janice of course um and uh, yeah thank you very much and um Yes, um, if you have not subscribed to our podcast, yes, please do it because this is actually also a podcast later on. Joao, thank you very much. And we always ask every guest, um, is there anything the audience can do for you? I mean, I'm very active on social media. Maybe just follow me on Twitter, Wearables Expert. Find me on LinkedIn. And if you have any questions around wearables, I can certainly help. Thank you very much and see you next time. Thank you, Robin.